Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. And we'll also need to find our place in Genesis chapter number 11. Uh, and so we're going to look at just one verse here in Hebrews 11 and then move to Genesis. Uh, and so we'll move there quickly. And so I think the message that I'm going to preach this morning, Brother Jonathan Hernandez probably could preach much better. Uh, you'll understand as we get into it and now knowing where he's come from and his background. And uh, I know we've been fighting this ring all morning. I don't know if there's anything that we can do about it better or not, but um, it seems to be getting worse with me up here. I think that these monitors are allergic to me today. So, uh, But Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and so if we found our place there, we'll read here in just a moment. I have been asked to ask Miss Rebecca Canlone is going to be selling some food plates to help raise some funds for her daughter, Sarah Diaz, and they've been longtime faithful members here. Uh, I want to make that now so I don't forget it. Also, those who are watching online would like to participate, uh, they may as well. So you can see her in the lobby after the service this morning. Uh, and she can give you more information about that there. And so, but if you'd like to help them uh, and participate there, then that would be a blessing. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, other announcements this morning, I think, are pretty much our basic announcements. We want to be faithful to the Lord in our, in our giving. And don't forget the... Uh, the uh, offering table in the back with uh, the COVID outbreak in June, it kind of, we suffered a little bit in the month of June with that, but when we're okay, but, uh, but we did, it did take an effect. And so uh, let's just be faithful to the Lord as the Lord has been faithful to us. In Hebrews chapter number 11, am I on? Am I still, can y'all hear me okay? All right, it just sounded different, so I didn't know if my mic died or not. Uh, chapter 11 and verse number 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. How do you judge God? And let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your love for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Not just faithful, you're, Lord, you're, you're so faithful. You're faithful to your, yourself. You're faithful to your word. You're faithful to your people. Lord, if there's any one thing that we can rely on, it's that there will never be a moment when you're not faithful to everything that you are and everything that you've said. Lord, we can trust you. And what I pray that you'd help us this morning to realize that oftentimes we say with our mouth that we trust, but in our hearts, we doubt. And when I pray that you'd help us as we look at the life of Sarah, somewhat of Abraham this morning, to realize that she came to a point, though she had her struggles, where she looked at you, she evaluated you, and she judged and decided that no matter what was going on in her life, and no matter what her circumstances, you were faithful. Lord, we know this morning that we can trust you to be just that for us as well. Lord, help us to judge you thusly. In Jesus' name and amen. You know, as we look this morning, I, you can't help but wonder, I think if, if we were to go around the room this morning and say, is God faithful, is God faithful, is God faithful, it overwhelmingly uh, anyone that's been in church, anyone that's had any, any biblical training, has much Bible knowledge at all, would say, of course, Pastor, God is faithful. Uh, and so we recognize intellectually that God is faithful, that God 
can not be nothing but faithful. But at the end of the day, we say that and then we can't sleep at night because we're worried. What are we worried about? We're worried that God won't be faithful. We're worried that God won't meet our expectations, that God won't work according to our timeline. And by the way, God is under no obligation to work according to our timeline. Uh, and so we are under every obligation to uh, wait upon God. And so we look this morning and I just want to broach the question. I think it's interesting here in Hebrews 11 that it's worded just that way. Because she judged him faithful. She's past age. She has a child when it was impossible for her to have a child. Uh, and the Bible tells us that the reason that God blessed her is because she determined, decided, judged. She drew the conclusion that God was faithful. That was not an automatic for her. I think sometimes we look at some Bible characters like this and we think, well, you know, if, if, if I... Uh, lived then or uh, endured what they endured, then perhaps and I would uh, have made the same decisions. And oftentimes it's the opposite. We think we would have done better uh, whenever it comes to those types of things. But with Sarah, I think that you see in her life a progression, a growth. Uh, she didn't always make the right decisions. She didn't always do the right thing. But when it came down to the end of things, she made the right choice. She had the right belief. So we're going to just look back this morning quickly and, and look at Sarah's life and what she had to go through and what she experienced. Uh, and it begins in Genesis chapter 11 uh, and verse 29, uh, where the Bible tells us there, And Abraham and Nahor took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sariah. And in the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Isca, but Sarai was barren, she had no child. So our very first introduction to Sarah is that she is here, that she is becoming the wife of Abraham, uh, and that she is barren. Those are the defining character traits of her life. And we've talked about this fairly recently, what it meant to be barren for a woman at this time in history and culturally. It meant that you had not the blessing of God. It meant that you had not the favor of God. That was their perception. It's the way that they would have uh, determined that that problem and it was consistent throughout uh, the Old Testament, especially the early Old Testament times and uh, into the, the coming of the king, age of kings in, in, in Israel. Uh, and so as we look here, we know that about her. Uh, she comes, she has a husband, she has no children, uh, and she's barren. She has to deal with that. That is an emotional stress that she had to live with every day of her life. It was something that weighed heavy upon her heart. It undoubtedly is something that she would have spent a lot of time praying that God would grant her his favor and would bless her. It's a little bit difficult for me to look at that and process that when we know how blessed Abraham was. Uh, and she's right there a part of the equation when, uh, you know, for her to feel that way, but yet the, such was their lot in life when uh, they were without child that they feel such away. What we didn't know or what she didn't know was that God was working. That this was designed by God to demonstrate 
His power and to give us a picture of a coming Christ. Uh, to establish a covenant with a nation uh, that did not yet exist. To give a land of promise to uh, the people that he had chosen. And, uh, and so she's going through this. Now we see in, uh, in chapter 12 that uh, that Abraham is worshiping and then uh, he comes under stress in large part because of Sarah's beauty and uh, and he makes a bad decision and he forsakes the place of God's blessing for a time and uh, he doubts God and uh, and they lie and then he comes back in chapter 13 to uh, the land that God's promised him and to the altar where God has spoken to him. He offers a sacrifice there and uh, and he even has to fight off the, uh, the buzzards to keep them off a sacrifice until God lets fire fall from heaven and to consume it. And, uh, and then in chapter 14, we see Abraham delivering Lot. They come together and uh, they're both being blessed and prospering and their servants are beginning to come at odds with one another. And, uh, and uh, you know, Abraham famously tells Lot, you choose whatever you want and I'll take what's left. Uh, but we, we can't, as kinsmen, have this division and this animosity and these problems. Uh, and so Lot pitches his tent towards Sodom, uh, where he's looking at what's going on in the world and in sin every day, vexing his righteous soul. Uh, and Abraham takes what's left there. We see in chapter 14 that uh, Lot is taken into captivity, that he is captured, that he is stolen away. And Abraham rises, raises an army of his servants, servants and uh, and he goes in and he uh, rescues him and brings him back. And, uh, and along with the, the, the people from Sodom that uh, were taken with him. And the king of Sodom tried to honor Abraham and give him uh, more wealth and more prosperity. And Abraham wouldn't take it. He said, I'm not going to receive, uh, I'm not going to have it said that the king of Sodom made Abraham rich. And so if he was going to be blessed, if he was going to be uh, an influential person in that world, uh, then it was going to be because of God, not because of the king of Sodom. And then in chapter 15, we see uh, the Abrahamic covenant is given in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram uh, in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, he's already been proving to Abraham the truth of that statement. He was his shield when he was in conflict for Lot, when he was at battle to recover Lot. God has demonstrated to him that, hey, listen, you went to Egypt and you lied because you didn't trust me to take care of you, but you learned something and you grew and whenever you had to go and rescue Lot, I proved to you that I am your shield, that I am your sword, that I am your defense. And then uh, in verse 2, it said, or in uh, chapter uh, 15, he says, and Abram said, Lord God, what will... What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And it's even weighing on him now. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. And tell the stars if thou canst be able to number them. And he said unto him, so, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And so Abraham is here, and Sarah going through, and the weight of this childlessness is weighing upon them. And then in chapter 16 and verse 1, 
Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name uh, was Hagar. And so she, uh, and, and God's delay to fulfill the promise, they're getting antsy. They're growing uh, weary at this point in time, uh, when, or at the point in time when Abraham was promised children in chapter 12 and, uh, and verse 1, uh, Abraham was 75 years old already. And so he's already aging and now uh, as this promise comes uh, Abraham is about 85 or 86 uh, at this particular time whenever uh, whenever they start to fret and so 10 years or so have passed by and no child has come but God you promised and it's 10 years later and you haven't fulfilled your promise and uh, and they're beginning to wonder is God uh, working is God going to bless is God going to uh, deliver what he has promised and so they're just coping with the daily frustration of an expectation that is still unfulfilled. Now, listen, all of us ought to be able to relate to that. I mean, it's easy for us to sit back and say, knowing what we know now, how could Abraham feel that way? But let me tell you, if you've been promised something and it's not been delivered uh, for 10 years, that is the hallmark of whether or not you're in God's favor and have God's blessing. And the very God whose favor you seek is the only one that can deliver the promise. Uh, after 10 years, I think it would wear on most people. And so I'm not saying that it should wear on us. I'm just the reality is, is that we in our flesh, it would be wearing on us. In chapter 17, in verse 15, uh, the Bible says here, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Now she's a princess. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Uh, and then in verse 19, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And so we see now they've taken matters into their own hand. Ishmael is born. Whenever they interfered in God's plan, they just made a big mess of things. And it's going to cause strife and stress still today. And so all of this is culminating and they're, they're carrying this burden. And now, uh, and here in chapter 17 and verses 15, the verses we just read, Abraham is about 100 years old. He's somewhere between 99 and 100. Sarah is about 90. And so they're to a point where, uh, where they are physically unable to conceive a child. And God is still in control. Now I'm sure that they're thinking, God, where are you? But God is still at work. In chapter 17 and verse number 21, again, there is the promise that it will be fulfilled soon. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. She's still not pregnant, but she knows the name of her son. And God's promise. And now God comes and says, it's going to happen soon. Again, their faith 
continuing to be tested in chapter 18. Abraham, the friend of God, and it's displayed, uh, Abraham, the friend of God, that, uh, that God comes to him and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And you see the beautiful picture of John chapter 15 and verses 13 through 15 uh, where, uh, where God uh, or where Jesus is speaking and, and he says to them, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. And in chapter 18, God comes to Abraham and begins to tell him what he's about to do in Sodom. How he's about to bring destruction. But before they go there, they're going to test Sarah again. And so they come to Sarah and beginning in verse uh, number 9, as they, as they approach them, they, they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And this is a, a, an Old Testament revelation of Christ, an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes to Abraham in bodily form and, and to temporarily to, to manifest himself uh, to God. It, it's called theologically a Christophany or a theophany uh, where he makes, he reveals himself. And verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and it ceased with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I am waxed old shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh saying, shall I of a surety bear a child uh, which am old? And is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh, I laugh not. For she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Be careful telling Jesus what, you, what you're trying to convince him that you didn't say when you said it, because he already knows what you said. And we can convince ourselves, but we're not going to convince him. He knows what he heard. He knows what's in our heart. And Sarah's being tested here again in her faith. And they tell her that she will have this child. In verse 20, or chapter 21, verse 19, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah take place. Verse 20, Abraham struggles and sins and doubting God again. God intervenes and spares him. And then in chapter 21, the promise finally is fulfilled. In verses 1 through 6, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. God always does what he says he's going to do. And for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given child suck for this have I borne him a son in his old age. God has delivered for nearly 25 years. It is estimated they waited 
for the fulfillment of this promise. And Abraham here see that God, in spite of everything that they've endured, has proven himself faithful. The Bible tells us that God is faithful. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 says, Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandment to a thousand generations. Psalm 119 verse 138 says, Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom we were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 uh, tells us that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful, will not suffer you to be able to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24 tells us that God is faithful or faithful is he who calleth you that also will do it. It's not for us to do, it's for us to answer the call. It's not for us to build the church, it's for us to invest in the work and allow God to work. Jesus is the one who builds the church. Uh, no man has ever successfully built a church. Men can build a mob, men can build a crowd, men can build a shrine, but Jesus builds his church. 2 Thessalonians chapter Chapter 3 and verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 said, Let us, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 19 wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing as unto a faithful creator. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Chapter 19 of Revelation and verse 11 and I saw heaven and earth opened. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he does judge and make war. I'm telling you this morning that Jesus Christ, that God in heaven, that his Holy Spirit are faithful. The Bible has said it. The, the experience of those that have put their confidence in have demonstrated it. If we would look uh, at the Lord Jesus Christ and honestly assess him and look, then understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. God is not faithful without experience. God is faithful because we have experienced his faithfulness. Not only did he promise it in his word, but those that would, would test him would find find him faithful this morning. Now, why is that important for us in the Christian life? And it's important to us from the Christian life because everything in our life hinges upon it. 
If I don't believe that God is faithful, if I don't believe that God will keep his word, if I don't, if I don't have confidence and trust that God is all that he has said that he is and that God will do everything that he said that he would do, then what's the point? God is faithful. And it's easy for us to say, uh, number one this morning, that God is faithful in our triumphs, and he is. Uh, when God's faithful in our triumphs, it's, it's easy for us to just say, hey, praise the Lord, I knew he was going to come through. And we should. I'm not criticizing that. I think that it's just a rightful thing that we should be diligent to give honor to whom honor is due. And in most cases, in every case, in fact, that starts with God. And there may be some people that fall in line that are, that are worthy of some gratitude and appreciation along the way under him. But ultimately, everything that comes about is God working in our lives. And listen, when God is triumphant, when we are triumphant in the Christian life, of course we should be praising God and saying that God is faithful. It's in those times, though, that it's easy to look at God and say, hey, God's faithful. Listen, I can judge God faithful when my bills are paid. It's easy. I mean, whenever, uh, whenever the paycheck rolls around and when the bills come in and you write the checks or you pay online or however you go about pay, taking care of your, uh, your obligations and uh, when they're all gone out and if there's anything left in the account after that, hey, it's easy to praise God then. It gets a little bit trickier if uh, everything that came in is gone and there's still a house payment to be made. And there's still food to be bought. But listen, God is faithful uh, when, the, when the bills are paid, yes. And I can judge God faithful when my spiritual tank is full. And if you're here this morning and your spiritual tank is full, then rejoice and praise God uh, that God's speaking to you and that God's working in your heart and that God's encouraging you in your, in your walk with him. But listen, God's just as faithful if you're in a time of spiritual drought as he is whenever you're in a time of spiritual fullness. Rejoice and praise God. I can judge God faithful when I'm winning the battle. I don't know about you, but I, whatever I am engaged in, I like to win. I don't like to lose. I, I, it's hard for me to be a gracious loser. It's hard for me to be happy about losing. It's just, there's just something in me that just rubs me the wrong way. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to be ugly and I don't want to be lashing out and I don't want to be kind or, or unkind whenever we're in those moments. But hey, uh, when it comes down to it, if it's the end of the day and, uh, and, and I didn't win, I'm disappointed. I'm not happy about it. Uh, you know, and it's just one of those things that, uh, that, that if, by the way, if you're not that way, there's something wrong with you. Uh, and so uh, we ought to like to win. But listen, it's easy uh, whenever, you, whenever you get victory over that sin that's been besetting you, when you, uh, when you rise up and you, uh, and you hold true to what's right whenever the, the battle is raging and you come out on top and you're, you're winning and uh, the devil makes a play for your mind and you win in that moment and you control your tongue in that moment and you uh, control your attitude in that moment and all of those things come about. Listen, yes, stop and praise God, but I'm just saying that that's easy time to praise the Lord. I can judge God faithful when my health is sound. Now I realize that that means different things now that I'm in my 50s than it did when I was in my 20s. Now if I judge the soundness of my health at 54 like I judge the soundness of my health at 24, they don't look the same, but uh, by and large, you know, uh, my, my health is fairly sound. I had some, uh, I always had back issues, but it was really flared up bad a few weeks ago and 
Brother Fred and Miss Dinah put me on to the chiropractor and I'm walking in. I'm, I feel like I'm waddling in there and, uh, and I, I'm carrying too much weight. I'm going through all this. I can't walk without a limp and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going through all this and then I'm you know, getting worked over by this chiropractor and then uh, I get up off of his table one day and he says, you're really in good shape. And I'm like, who are you working on? <laughs> if I was in good shape, I wouldn't be here. Uh, and so I wouldn't need you. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the thing is, it's got, health can get to a point where it becomes a little relevant. Some aches and pains just don't go away. But we can still be in pretty good health. Whatever your state of health this morning, praise the Lord. He's faithful. Hey, listen, God is faithful. Uh, but when my health is good, when I can uh, walk without pain, when I can uh, go through the day with the strength that I need, when I can breathe, uh, when I can do all the things that are essential to life and, uh, and, and recognize that, uh, that, you know, for where I'm at in the stage of life and in this journey, I'm in really pretty good health. Praise God for that. But I'm just telling you, it's easy to find them faithful when things are on top. Secondly, this morning, consider that not only is God faithful, in times of triumph, but God's still faithful in my turmoil. When there's turmoil. And if your life is anything like everybody else's life, there are going to be periods and times of turmoil. I'm just throwing out here this morning, here is, here is Abraham, he's gone through times of great triumph, and Sarah, they've gone through times when, <coughs> when they've experienced God's presence, when they've, literally, and they've experienced conversations with God, and they've experienced God's promise, and they've seen God intervene on their behalf, and they've seen uh, how God is always keeping his word to them, even when they're failing to hold up their end of the bargain, uh, and God is is there and they're experiencing that. But now uh, whenever Lot gets taken captive, there's some turmoil. When they fear, when Abraham fears that he's going to be killed because his wife's so beautiful and they've gone into this place and all the men are kind of oogling her and watching her. And, uh, he's afraid that, hey, if they, uh, they're going to kill me so they can have her. And he lies about, uh, sort of lies. It's a half lie. And by the way, a half a lie is a whole lie. But, I mean, she was his half sister, but, but they're married. And so she's, she's here and they're going through life and, uh, and, he, and he, it's turmoil. Lot's taken, it's turmoil. Ishmael's born and you talk about turmoil, that created some turmoil. There was turmoil. Listen, I, I can judge God faithful when my bills are stacked up. If I can judge God faithful when they're paid, God is no less faithful when they're stacked up. He's, he's right there. Maybe uh, he's trying to show me something, to teach me something. Perhaps he's trying to build my faith. Perhaps I'm reaping what I've sown. Uh, perhaps it's just, you know, unforeseen things that pop up unexpectedly that force us to lean and rely more upon him. I, there are all kinds of reasons why, uh, why uh, things can get difficult. But uh, listen, turmoil is going to come. Turmoil is going to happen. I can judge God faithful when my bills are stacked up. I can judge God faithful when I'm in a spiritual drought. And I mentioned that before. By the way, if you serve God for very long at all, you're going to come to understand that, that getting up, reading your Bible and praying do not automatically come easy. And it's not automatically an easy thing that God is going to speak to you in that moment. So, Pastor, why not? I don't understand why not. I mean, sometimes it's because we have sin in our life. But I'm talking about 
My sin's confessed. I'm trying to do my very best to live for God, to serve God. As far as I know, everything between me and the Lord is right. And still, it comes hard. Still, it, it, it's hard to, to draw something deep from the Word of God and to uh, make connections and to feel encouraged in it. Why? It's just a time of spiritual drought. We go through all those, those types of things in all of our relationships of life. There are times when things are better at home than others. There are times uh, when things are better with our children than others. There are times when things are better at work than they are at other times. Uh, oh, it's just a part of the cycle of life and what we go into. And I'm just telling you, serve God, be committed to serve God, but don't be so foolish as to think that you're never going to go through a time of drought spiritually. It's not time to quit when you're in a time of drought. It's time to dig deep. It's time to drill down and dig a well. It's time to go uh, searching for God and be, uh, be locked into Him. Why? Because God is faithful. He is there. He has not left you, nor has He forsaken you. You just may have to go look a little harder to find Him. But He's still faithful. I can judge God faithful when my friends turn against me. Live life long enough and you'll have people that you love and that you trust and that are close to you that are going to turn on you. It's just a matter of time. If you go through your whole lifetime and never experience that, then praise be to God, great for you. It's not been my experience in life. There just comes a point in time uh, whenever all kinds of different things take place. Uh, and I'm just telling you, uh, I mean, look at Paul and Barnabas. Look at what they experienced. Look at Abraham and Lot. Do you not realize how Abraham's heart would have broken for Lot when he pitched that tent towards Sodom? And he watched him make his way down the hill. And he watched him enter into the gates. And he watched him grow in prominence and influence. And how he watched him sacrifice his own, his own health spiritually and children. The, the New Testament tells us that, that Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Do you not think that Abraham didn't sit and watch that with a broken heart? As he, as he saw him make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, it's really hard for me to fathom that Abraham didn't try to have some conversations with Lot and, and to warn him off. Maybe he didn't, but it's hard for me to imagine that the closeness of the relationship, that he didn't try to steer him to some better decisions. I'm just saying that when my friends, when my loved ones turn against me, God is faithful. Whenever Amnon raped Tamar, God was faithful. When Absalom killed Amnon, he was faithful. When Absalom drove David from his throne and took, took it from him, he was still, God was still faithful. And you can say, well, but pastor, but David was reaping what he was sown and God was keeping, exactly, God was faithful. We reap what we sow. Who do you think decided that? God did. We, we uh, see God keeping his word. And when even things are difficult in my life, God is faithful. I can judge God faithful when my security fails. If I feel as if, you know, I, I, I'm stressed or I'm fretting because my financial security is gone. If I'm stressed or I'm fretting because my physical health security is gone. When something uh, is, is moving me or shaking me. Listen, when my security falls apart, the things that that make me sleep well, the things that just are at peace that I don't have to worry about. When all that falls apart, God is still faithful. The third thing I'd say this morning is that God is still faithful when tragedies come. Tragedies come. Tragedies will happen. And when I 
had the tragedy of lost health, God is still faithful. If you go through a tragedy where, where your health fails, we have some people that have experienced that recently. We, we typically, uh, if, if you are around, it's just a part of living on a sin-cursed earth. Sometimes that tragedy is the, the loss of health. Sometimes that loss of health can be sudden and unexpected. Sometimes it, it, it's expected, but it's still difficult to cope with when, uh, when, it, when the things come to fruition. Listen, when health fails, God's still faithful. I'm grateful for the testimony of Christians that, that let the glory of God and the, uh, and the faithfulness of God shine through in their testimony to their doctors and nurses, even on their deathbed, uh, not fretting and not complaining about their physical state, but just worshiping and rejoicing that soon they'll be with God in heaven because God is faithful. I can judge God faithful when I lose my testimony. Losing our testimony is not something that we should do, but it's something that we do at times. And sometimes we can lose our cool in the wrong place. We can uh, lose, blow up at someone. We can uh, misinterpret someone. We can jump to conclusions. We can make faulty assumptions. There are all kinds of things that we uh, do that can compromise our testimony. Uh, and when we do that, we need to make things right. Uh, and we need to do all that we can to get that clear, first of all, with the Lord. Uh, but I'm just telling you, even when we lose our testimony, God's faithful. Think Sarah didn't lose her testimony a little bit and her problems and her dealing and handling with Hagar? And she took her and a helpless child and threw him out? The cruelty and the venom when she's mad at someone who basically followed her orders as her servant? She lost her testimony, but God was still with her. I can judge God faithful when I lose my wealth. Most of us here this morning, that's something that's a little bit more difficult to relate to because we don't have any wealth. Compared to the people Brother Jonathan and Miss Stephanie work with, we have a lot of wealth. But compared to uh, what Abraham had, I don't know of anybody here really that's got that kind of wealth compared to Abraham. But listen, when our wealth is compromised, God's still faithful. I can judge God faithful when I lose my loved ones. Whether I lose a loved one tragically, suddenly, at an early age, or whether I lose that loved one with expectation, it's still difficult to cope with whenever the day comes. And when the day comes, whether it was sudden, whether it was uh, of an of a unexpected age, or whether it was after the, at the end of a long life, it's still hard and God is still faithful. God is faithful in my tragedies. God is faithful in my turmoil. God is faithful in my triumphs. And lastly, we understand this morning that God is faithful in my temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He moved into our heart. He took up residence within us. Our spirit was reborn. It can now fellowship and communicate Again, with God on a spiritual level, uh, God is faithful in my temple. I can judge God faithful this morning in my fellowship with him. God's faithful. So, Pastor, what about in that time of drought? He's still faithful. Just keep fellowshipping with him. Just keep talking to him. Just keep listening for him. Just keep engaging in the process. God is there and God will show himself when the time is right. I can judge God faithful in my fellowship, but I can also judge God faithful in my fellowship. 
Abraham knew what it was like to fellowship with God. He also knew what it was like to have to, in Genesis 13, to have to beat the buzzards off of the altar to keep the buzzards from eating his sacrifice until God consumed it. But God showed up. God consumed his sacrifice. I'm saying that my fellowship and my fellowship in those God is faithful. God is faithful, thirdly, in my fight for truth. If you take a stand for righteousness, if you stand for truth within your family, if you stand for truth in your job, if you stand for truth in the community, if we stand for truth uh, politically, if we stand for truth <coughs> in every aspect of life, and even sadly within the church at times we have to take a stand uh, for truth. The one place that should espouse it, we have to constantly fight and watch against apostasy creeping in. I can judge God faithful in my fight for truth. And I can judge God faithful in my finish. If we will be determined to record that God is faithful in our hearts, in our mind, if we will look at God and say, God, I have read your word and God, I have experienced you in my life and God, I have seen you across my lifetime and what you've done across the ages and I have decided, I have evaluated, I have come to the conclusion that you are faithful. You're faithful. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse number 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know why he was able to do that? Because he was looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith. Paul, amongst Christians, is perhaps the greatest of all. But Paul was nothing more than a man. What made Paul great, what is it that he had the uncanny ability, wherever he was and whatever his circumstances were, to keep his eyes on the author of his faith. He just kept his eyes off of Jesus. What happened to Abraham when he lied about his wife twice? He got his eyes off of God. What happened to Sarah when she turned to Hagar? Eyes off of God. What happened to Lot when he pitched his tent towards Sodom? Eyes off of God. When we make the determination, it will impact our life. Will we this morning say with Sarah that we judge God faithful? Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Don't doubt him this morning. He's faithful. Don't fail to trust him. He's faithful. Don't go with the flow. Because it's easy. But pastor, it's so hard. But he's faithful. Don't wonder and feel abandoned because your health is failing. He's faithful. I've come to the conclusion that it's just a reality of life. That it's the will of God. Biblically. For things globally to get worse and worse. It is the will of God without doubt for the Lord Jesus Christ to return for his church. If you read the Bible, 
you come to realize that things have to get a whole lot, as bad as they are, they have to get a whole lot worse than they are. For the scripture to be fulfilled, for that to happen. As we see things decline, certainly we should stand for righteousness. But in the meantime, rather than fretting, we should be rejoicing that the coming of the Lord is growing soon. Sooner than ever. When we look and we understand that, uh, listen, we were not created and designed. Or well, we may have been created and designed. But, but when sin entered the picture, we compromised that. To live in this state forever. We grow old. We have children. Our children make our hair fall out. We get old and our bodies begin to fail. And all the things of the sin-cursed earth begin to take its toll. God is not unfaithful because we die. If there's ever a moment when God beautifully demonstrates his faithfulness to us, it's in that moment that when we become absent from the body and are instantly brought into the presence of the Lord. He's faithful. Faithful to himself. Faithful to his word. Faithful to his people. And faithful to every promise that he's ever given. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. He promised it, and he's faithful to deliver. Will I judge him faithful and live trusting him to be what he says he is and who he says he is? Father, thank you for our time together this morning.